0: The title is Building a Better Montana History for the 21st Century. Uh, This is really delving into, you know, when you go into recent history and recent historiography, it's untrodden ground. It's it's difficult. And I think this whole session is kind of difficult to summarize, you know, 150 years of Montana history in in a short time. So this is first first shot at it. But I want to start with, uh, you know, saying that it was certainly the end of an era around the turn of the century, to the 21st century, um, in those first few years. Uh, we lost Mike Malone at uh, the age of 59, uh, Dave Walter several years later at the age of 63. Uh, and these are just two examples of, you know, I think uh, Rich Rader had died in the 90s. Um, and if we, we could even include here uh, the more recent retirement of Bob Swordout from Carroll College as kind of uh, the end of, of a certain generation of historians. Um, doing work on Montana history. So, it certainly is the end of an era. And so what, is, what, has, been, what has happened since then? Uh, I'm going try to try to summarize that. Uh, so is there you know and should, should we have a new Montana history? Is there a new Montana history in the last 20 years or, or so? Uh, Frederick Jackson Turner uh, famously said, each age tries to form its own conception of the past. Each age t- writes the history of the past anew with reference to the conditions uppermost in its own time. And I think we see that evident in uh, our recent past in Montana. Uh, I want to start with uh, really going to do three things. Going to look at this, uh, uh, Harry Fritz's best books um, survey, which was an update to one he had done back in 1981. This was done in 2001, published in 2002. This is kind of a a foundation for going forward from, from this point. It uh, gives us an idea of what was popular, what was going on in Montana history uh, writing at the time, what was what was popular for the public, uh, at least the readers of of Montana, the magazine of Western history. Uh, so Fritz uh, really he came with four four uh, points from his survey. Uh, first, it, this it represented the passing of a generation. He saw. Uh, A lot of new books from the recent, the last twenty years, from before two thousand two, two thousand one, as being is really moving into his list. He had a list of seventy five of his uh, top top books, and the books got five or more votes from his his uh, the people who took the survey, from his respondents. Um, And so I'm just really going to touch on well, in in a minute I'll touch on some of the top twenty, but. A lot of them uh, were no longer uh, dwelling on frontier 19th century history. That, that that topic was sort of being left behind by the newer generation that came through in the 80s and 90s. And I think a lot, to a lot extent, that that uh, reflects the new Western history be- becoming uh, the primary interpretation in in our region uh, and having an impact on Montana history. And uh, also on that on that note, um, only only three of the of the new books uh, that, that in this in this updated survey were from the 19th century, and two of them were Lewis and Clark, Stephen Ambrose's Undaunted Courage, and Gary Moulton's uh, you know, Journals of, of Lewis and Clark. So, you know that's that's really early 19th century, and then the other one was Evan Connell's uh, Son of the Morning Star, not necessarily a, a straightforward history. Uh, more of a novel. So, um, his third point was uh, very few, or much fewer, straight history books written uh, by, in more of an analytical, academic style. Uh, and actually, only only one of the thirty new entries in the list since 1981 was a historical monograph, you know, just a straight up history book, and that was uh, David Emmons' *The Butte Irish*. Um, most, he said, were impressionistic accounts, anthologies, picture books, memoirs, novels, and almanacs. So those are becoming have become more popular in the 20 years before 2001. And finally, he acknowledges a woeful lack of 20th century Montana history showing up in the list. Uh, in many ways, you know, people are holding on to some of the old classics, uh, but but also um, reveling in the stories that maybe those. Uh, made popular and and uh, he uh, let's see two of his largest um, well let me just quote him here Uh, recent montana remains the most understudied unwritten and unconceptualized era in montana history Uh, and the two largest categories of his 75 best books of or 43 percent of them were fiction or personal histories uh, like memoirs again fritz concludes Books by Charlie Russell, Ivan Doeg, James Welch, Norman McLean, Mary Clearman Blue, and Rick Bass are our substitute for 20th century history. Um, so has that remained the case for the past 20 years? Uh, that uh, I, I think we've made some progress, I'll just say at the beginning. But let's look really quickly, just look over some of the, these would be the, the straight history books uh, written by by historians predominantly. Um still on the list and you see Joseph Kinsey Howard really the most popular account of Montana history written in 1943 still extraordinarily popular in 2001 uh, Malone Raider and Lang's update to Montana history of two centuries comes in at six you get tool um, a couple new newer entries you know, 16 is the book on Evelyn Cameron by Donna Lucy uh, Stephen Ambrose Michael Malone's battle for Butte at number 20. But if you want to see that, that is in the the autumn 2002 issue of our magazine. If you want to look at the list yourself, because it is really interesting to see what was popular. See if if you've read all of them or some of them yourself. So really quick, uh, the main part of this look, I wanted to review kind of recent work that had been done. So I'm really looking back at the last 15 uh, years, roughly 12 to 15 years, uh, looking at... uh, Montana the Magazine of Western History, other books uh, published by MHS Press and other uh, publishers, and uh, any other uh, kind of prominent articles that have been written in, in the academic world in particular. And looking at theses and dissertations done at uh, Montana universities. So, I'm going to cover kind of all these different topics here. Women's history, certainly a lot of recent advances. Uh, women doing history themselves is a big thing, I think. Uh, there have been some advances in environmental history for Montana, um, and we have certainly expanded into more uh, more recent 20th century topics. So that's a, that's a positive thing, too. Um, and then I have a, a little bit of honorable mention, hopefully, if I have time. Uh, so the the bit, first thing to start with is the most recent uh, news or, or thing that I think we're all aware of. And there's been a big push uh, from Montana women's history in the last couple years, uh, represented by the most recent publication of Beyond School Marms and Madams and uh, the work of Mo- uh, Women's History Matters, which is a whole entire webpage uh, with really dozens, actually over a hundred, like 130 articles taken from our, uh, our magazine and freely available and stories written by historians uh, and authors about uh, women in Montana's history. So it's a, it's a fabulous resource. And uh, amounts to kind of a, uh, it's not really a revolution, but it's, it's a huge statement, I think, in the last couple of years. Um, but is it, uh, you know, I, I wanted to kind of get a sense for what what had happened in the years, in the 12 to 15 years previous. Looking back at our magazine, uh, so there were 11 articles on women's history topics in the past two years, which is remarkable, um, a big step. Um, but if you, you look back at... Uh, the Two years before that, 2012, 2013, there wasn't one article on, on any, I don't know, specifically on a women's history topic. Uh, certainly women were talked about in the articles, but not you know, pre- predominantly a women's history topic, and not one article. And that was pretty much unprecedented. All the other years before, going back to 2004, uh, you know, 2004 to 2015, only about 15% of articles um, were specifically on women's history. So it's still very small representation. If you take out the last two years, it's even it's much smaller. So, uh, so the last two years have really made a huge step, and it was very needed. I think we we see that from looking at this. As far as um, graduate work being done in the state uh, at MSU, about one third of Montana topic, theses uh, or dissertations were on women's topics, um, and at U of M a little bit less. Uh, or, or probably a good bit less, so three out of 21, so one, one out of seven uh, were on women's history topics. Uh, so, you know, it's, there's some progress there. I think MSU's having that many uh, dissertations, and this is just a quantitative look at it. It's not saying that, it's not really a qualitative analysis of these, uh, saying that they, you know, advanced this, the understanding of women's history. I think they probably did. Uh, we don't have time to really dive into that in this, in this limited presentation but uh, so there's certainly progress there for women's history in Montana um, as far as women actually women doing history in Montana I, I think great strides have taken place uh, if you look, just look at the numbers here uh, about 37% uh, from 2004 to 2015 uh, to that 37% of the authors of articles in our magazine the MHS magazine uh, were uh, written by women uh, a lot more a higher percentage of uh, the graduate students writing theses or dissertations were women uh, almost reaching about a half you know 50% level which is great and and uh, you know I think if you look at the last few years of our magazine it's certainly come more clo- much closer to that kind of 50% number so I think those are those are promising things uh, it's almost like that that uh, there have been big gains since especially since the 1970s which is usually you know looked at as kind of the turning point in uh, academic world and history departments around the country where women uh, thanks to um, uh, thanks to uh, well just big programs trying to get women into positions really made a difference uh, and started getting uh, women into history departments uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to write women's history, but I think the, the goal of having uh, some equity across the board has almost been reached, or at least is represented here as a positive step. So I think that's a big thing in the last 15, 20 years. Uh, women, environmental history is another thing that uh, has been very popular in Montana. And a lot of the articles in our magazine um, have shown at least an environmental um, subject matter, uh, maybe not necessarily a, a methodologically been in representative of environmental history, but have approached it and, and we've dealt with you know, natural resources and, and um, bringing nature into history a lot more uh, that does show up. I just want to touch on a few uh, things in recent times, starting at the, back in 2005, uh, there was an award-winning article in the Western Historical Quarterly that's uh, called the Weedy West, and yes, it was about weeds in Montana. Um, and really, uh, what it what its author was able to do was push the boundaries of our understanding of how nature impacts human institutions, human relationships uh, in community. How weeds pay no attention to uh, property uh, property limits and property lines, and that causes all kinds of conflict. And we, you know, our our laws paid almost no attention to the mobile nature of weeds and plant life Um, so really kind of broke down a lot of barriers and and was uh, was an impressive uh, thing and and if you don't know uh, recently Montana State University uh, hired Mark Fiji the author of that article as uh, the uh, chair of uh, the Wallace Stegner chair at MSU so that's that's uh, I, I think it's a good good sign it's a good step uh, for environmental history in, in the state, um, which I think MSU and U of M have both done a good job of uh, working in, in environmental history. Uh, then more, more recently, a couple noted uh, books uh, have, have arisen. Um, Gambling on Ore was uh, using Montana successfully as a case study to un- try to understand metal mining in the United States as a whole, um, and really focused all on Montana as the case study and pulled off successfully um, and more just recently uh, a book that has been kind of in the, in the in the works for a long time but is now available on fly fishing uh, in Montana that uh, really pushes our understanding of you know very popular um, thing in the 20th century and, and earlier so 20th century topics Obviously, we certainly made a lot of progress in covering 20th century. And I selected just a few things that kind of represent that, a few publications that represent that. Um, but I think I think we may have noticed this a lot, a lot more readily. And if you look at the articles over the past 10 plus years in Montana, the Magazine of Western History, you see a lot more um, pushing the boundaries into beyond World War II, uh, even even up to the 70s and 80s in some articles, or even even more recent. So Janet Finn's book on uh, growing up in Butte uh, goes all the way beyond World War II, uh, successfully pushes that boundary that has kind of held back so many historians. Um, John Axland, I wanted to give a, a shout out to the work that he's done, which is in several articles um, talking about Montana transportation history, um, but in, in particular the article on interstate highways really, you know, since since 1950 this is a huge development in montana Um, this the the uh, development of that uh, infrastructure um, says a lot about where we are now with how our state works how we how it functions how we get around um and has changed montana significantly in that period so um matthew basso's work on on butte in world war ii in the home front um getting into gender studies and, and race looking at at social history quite a bit there. Uh, That's also, to get a a monograph on World War II, home front, Montana was was very uh, pleasing to see and really pushed boundaries there. And uh, Fred Swanson's book on um, Lee Metcalf and many of the local Montana folks who uh, developed the wilderness in uh, the second half of the 20th century is also representative of this. I'm going to quickly go through honorable mentions. Uh, I didn't want to leave these out because they're, they're great uh, books that really represent kind of the trends of the last 10 to 12 years as well. Uh, so I, I commit those to you to look at if you haven't already. Um, also wanted to kind of use the, the, um, our magazine from autumn of last year as a representative. It has three main articles, and they all kind of represent a lot of the, the themes that we see in the last dozen years Uh, the first article being about more about environmental politics uh, the political side of uh, working through environmental uh, catastrophe in our state Um, but pushing the boundaries being much more recent history Um, and then uh, Laurie Mercier's uh, look at women's work and family life uh, based on oral histories uh, bringing that all the way up to uh, post World War II uh, coverage of women in Montana it was a great article, and then having the, the Native American voice so uh, boldly represented, um, based on you know uh, people before the Parks uh, publication as well. Uh, just having those three, it just to me, that represented a lot of what's happened in the last 12, to 15 years. So that one article. So uh, at the end here, I just want to. Uh, how much time do I have? Just by the way none <laughs> oh, wow. okay I have two slides left but the the end uh, I just want to bring out the, the kind of the the things that are maybe deficiencies or left out of the last 15 20 years what what have we lost from the golden age that probably ended sometime in the 90s into the, the around the turn of the century um, the big one is the need for synthesis we have all these disparate uh, works being done I wanted to read a, a quote from Uh, sue armitage who's a retired uh, professor of history and women's studies at washington state university she wrote an article in 2009 on kind of where was women's history at and had it had arrived yet at that point Uh, but one thing she she commented on just western history in general she says um, that western history is currently fragmented exploded one friend put it is unquestionable Uh, that that is not necessarily a bad thing Each of the relatively newer fields, among which I would count racial, ethnic, women's, environmental, and cultural history, has been able to develop more or less autonomously without much outside pressure to fit into a mainstream version of Western history. Uh, But maybe it's time to consciously consider race, class, gender, and place in everything we write. Uh, So I think she's calling for and pointing to the need to bring all this together. these sort of subfields have developed within Western history, within our regional history, and within Montana history, separately in separate strains. And, and you really see it when you look back at our, our magazine articles. There, there's a lot of some of them. Uh, you know, grab a couple of those interpretive analytical tools and and bring them in. And but it's you know certainly there's not a lot of conversation back and forth between them. So I think she's calling for uh, to consider all these things together, which is a monumental task. It's a difficult task. And when we're so, uh, you know, kind of divert, uh, so there's so many divergent paths going on at the same time in Montana history. How do we start bringing those together? And I think, you know, the, the thing that this this era, this last 20 years is missing, is the leadership, the, the uh, sort of seminal figures like Tool, uh, Malone, and others who, um, you know, Dave Walter, who were Cross paths and did and really um you know had so so many hands on different parts of Mo- the Montana history community uh, and that's really lacking we don't nobody nobody has stepped up as sort of a champ you know one champion or two champions of of Montana history um you know and that's not a horrible thing to to uh to not have somebody I mean but I just think it, it it makes uh very difficult to kind of bring the story together bring the stories of Montana history together uh and that's that's needed. Um, one shining example of that is our uh, our textbook that came out in 2009 really laid that the foundation of what that might look like. Um, there's a lot of a uh, lot of women's stories. There's a lot of you know it goes all the way through the 20th century, um, and it and even starts before uh, Lewis and Clark. Certainly, there's a couple chapters covering Native American history before Lewis and Clark. Um, so it really that that book lays the, the foundation and the groundwork of what you know this building this new Montana history would look like and could look like now uh, it's you know it's obviously bent, bent toward an audience that's middle schoolers or younger people I've enjoyed the book and it's you know finely illustrated and uh, but it, it's not that one you know grand narrative history written by an analytical historian that uh, would bring in a lot of the things from the last 20 30 years um, so that's still needed and, and uh, fortunately uh, Jeff Weltsy at University of Montana has taken up this task um, just in the last year or so and uh, you know we wish him very good luck <laughs> and, and hope that uh, that it's successful and that it produces uh, a, at least a work that, that does show the advances of the last 20 years and, and brings it all together in one story that people uh, can hopefully um, understand and relate to. and, and uh, then we'll, we'll jump up there on that the next survey of best books in Montana hopefully but that's a tall order I don't want to put all this pressure on him but it's there <laughs> um, so really what's needed is uh, you know more 20th century of course there's tons of room to explore 20th century Montana history uh, more biography I think you sort of lost the art of, of really biography in a lot of the work done in the last 20 years. Um, Although I can't say that for for women's history matters because a lot of that is biography, so there's there's a, there's need for more of that, um, and more of the even figures who haven't been uh, analyzed very closely uh, from the 19th century and the 20th century, uh, and just more integration. The idea of bringing these you know race, class, gender, and environment, the new Western history, and beyond to into more of a synthesized story that uh, can just make a more inclusive Montana history. Uh, and and the, big, the big thing for us at MHS, and I know I have no time to talk about this, uh, is building better relationships and it's reflecting the way that history has been written in the last 20 years, where separate kind of little camps have, have progressed and done their own thing. I think uh, the history departments at the universities and the Montana Historical Society have kind of each gone off on their own little paths and we have not—we've lost that camaraderie and the, the uh, you know, the the inter- interconnections that we saw in back in the golden age of Montana history. Uh, we don't have those personal connections, personal relationships between the institutions. Um, we don't—we don't hire uh, students, graduate students from U of M, MSU, very often. In the last at least 10 years that I know of, uh, they just don't—they don't make it. Uh, they don't there's a disconnect between the training of those graduate students and getting them into jobs in montana Um, and you know this is as much on us on the mhs as it is on the the universities uh there's we've lost the personal connections we still have some we see each other from time to time um, but there's a there is a serious uh disconnect i think that needs needs to be worked on so I'll just end with that kind of a downer note, but um, there is hope. I think there's hope. There is certainly a lot of work that's been done and uh, there's a lot of good things happening very recently in Montana history. So stay encouraged and (laughs) that's where we'll leave it. Thank you.